just said is so true. What many times we we take and we'll fill out our, uh, you know, we'll fill out our, our offering envelope and we'll put it to missions. Many times we don't see the names behind those dollars. What I mean by that is you take that money, that check, uh, you put it in that envelope, put it in the plate, and that's the last, really, a lot of times you'll hear other than maybe a mission letter or something like that, and that's wonderful. But I wanted to take just a moment tonight and just read a few names to you of names of people that your dollars, your investments have impacted tonight. Uh, just a few people that are really uh, faithful to church and some who are like most Baptists, you know, they're Baptist faithful. You know what that means, right? They show up uh, every once in a while. And uh, no, I'm kidding. In fact, I told my church the other day, you know, we live in an area where uh, there's a lot of non-denominational churches, a lot of Catholic churches, you can imagine, in Los Angeles, um, but uh, not a lot of Baptist churches. And I, I told some folks the other day, uh, they come in, uh, and they sit in nearly the same spot every service. I said, this is definitely a Baptist church. You guys have already got your seats down pat. you got your assigned seating, you know. But I wanted to share some of these names with you. And so let me do that. And, and some of them may even be watching tonight. And if they are, I want them to know I love them and thankful that God's given me the opportunity to pastor them. Uh, but let me give you just quickly a few of these names. First name on my list I put tonight is Carol. Carol is our realtor who we met really about a year ago at this time when we flew out to Los Angeles and she began helping us look for a house. And then when we moved there in February of last year, we invited her over for supper, began to have Bible studies with Carol, and now she's a faithful uh, attendee at Haven Baptist Church uh, every week. And she even is involved in our hospitality team, if you want to call it that, uh, where she greets people and hands out uh, bulletins. And so uh, God's used that, this ministry to reach Carol. Then I put in here Kristen, Maddie, and Adam. Kristen uh, is our next door neighbor. And if you remember, if you think all the way back to when we first made the move across country, uh, Taylor. Uh, she invited one of our neighbors just the first day. She said, we're moving out here to plant a church, and you ought to come. Well, Kristen, Maddie is her, son, uh, her uh, daughter, and Adam is her, is her son. They all three attend faithfully every week to the church. Uh, and then Liz, Dave, Deegan, Gavin, and Skyler, they're our other next-door neighbors, and they, and they attend the church. And then uh, I put Matt and Hannah Matt and Hannah are two of the most faithful people that attend our church, and they were reached when my dad came out, and my dad and I went out soul winning on a Saturday, knocked on their door. I followed up three times afterwards after that, and they came on a Tuesday night when we were having our Bible studies, and they've been with us ever since, uh, Matt and Hannah. And then I put down here Jeff. Uh, Jeff lives all the way down in Glendale, which is near Hollywood. He's uh, been a producer in multiple movies there in Hollywood, very involved in that. Shannon, she's an actress uh, there in Hollywood. She's, they come faithfully to church every week and get involved. Jeff's involved in discipleship right now. Uh, Lindsay and Sean, they're coming faithfully every Sunday. Angie and Jessica, brand new people that are coming, uh, started coming on Thanksgiving when my dad came out. And then Carl, uh, interesting, and, and some of you probably remember, if you think all the way back to when we had our preview service on September the 10th, and my dad, I think, even made reference to it that we had one person show up. Carl was that one person, but Carl is still with us today. And, in fact, Carl was on our team today to help set up uh, since I couldn't be there. And so these are just a few, and I've got another list of everybody who's ever came to Haven. And uh, it's just so many people. And I just want you to know that the investment you made is not empty. There are people's lives who are being impacted behind these dollars. And, and so, you know, it's a blessing. Uh, I can remember, I don't, I don't remember exactly, let's see, uh, 2013, so we're going on nearly five years ago. It's hard to believe that I stood in this pulpit and I cried 
and uh, just, you know, was emotional through that service where I shared with our church that God had put it in our heart to step out by faith and move to Los Angeles. And then that long process of deputation, but God led us through that and helped us to get moved out there. Now I get to read you a list of people who have been impacted. Isn't that amazing? Don't we serve an awesome God tonight? And he knows what he's doing, and I'm thankful that you uh, have been so supportive. Thank you for every text message. Thank you for every Facebook message. Thank you for uh, just for your uh, moral support. Thank you for your financial support. And we have a long way to go. We're just getting started. We're having, pray for us, we're having our vision service next Sunday as I lay out the theme and the vision for this coming year. And I've got a group, a team, a core of people who are really excited about what God's going to do in Santa Clarita. And so you pray with me that God will will work in a special way. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Thessalonians tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And uh, I, am, I am just thrilled to be able to preach tonight. Wasn't, it, wasn't that a great message this morning? Amen. It was, and it inspired me. And, I, and I'll just say this, and I may make reference to it a little later uh, in the service, uh, in the message tonight, but if you don't grasp what pastor preached this morning, then the message I'm going to preach tonight is no good, and you can go ahead and tune me off and go to sleep. And I mean that, because what he preached this morning is actually vital, and it's actually imperative in order for you to be able to engage in what I'm talking about tonight. And you see that on the screen. Tonight, we're going to talk about this theme of devotion. And the subtitle is Living Life to Impact Our World with the Gospel. Now, what does that look like? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and I'm going to put these verses on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible tonight, I want you to look on this screen, and I want you to see the Word of God this evening. The Bible says here, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. We're reading verses 8 or 5 through 10. Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now notice verse number eight. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you that we have this opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to stand in this sacred place, Lord, to open the inspired, preserved, infallible, inerrant word of Almighty God. And Lord, to be able to stand forth and proclaim this word to your people, what a privilege, what an honor. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd fill me with your power. And Lord, I've prayed that before, but I pray it one more time, that you would touch me and that you would fill me. And God, that you ultimately would flow through me because I know that what I cannot do in the power of the flesh, Lord, you can do through your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would anoint every listener that's under the sound of my voice. And I pray that, Lord, they would be ready to receive. Help our hearts to be united around the truth of your word. And may your word break up the the hard ground of our heart, and may the seed of God's word be planted deep within our heart. And may you inspire us, Lord, to serve you more faithfully. We pray these things in Jesus' in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, we want to talk tonight about this theme 
of being devoted. Devotion. What is devotion? Well, one, uh, one definition that I found for this word devotion is to be surrendered and concentrated on a particular pursuit, purpose, or cause. Now, let's take a moment and let that sink into our heart just for a second. When somebody is devoted to something, they are surrendered, they are concentrated on a particular pursuit, purpose, or cause. In light of that definition, we could certainly say that uh, human beings, and in fact, us in this place tonight, are devoted to many things. And I want to say this tonight, and don't miss what I'm about to say. We devote ourselves to the things that we truly love, enjoy, and care about. We devote ourselves, we surrender, and we concentrate on those things that we truly love, the things that we truly enjoy, and the things that we truly care about. Uh, I, I, was, I was interested to find this survey as I was studying, a uh, 2009 survey from golf.com that found that uh, on average, uh, the American golfer spends $3,000 per year on his golf game. And this survey did not include statistics about time spent playing practicing, and watching golf. Now, some of you in here are like, I've never spent a dollar on a golf club or a golf ball. I have to say, there's been uh, quite a few dollars spent out of my uh, take-home pay that I have spent to uh, go play golf, to buy golf clubs, to buy uh, golf balls, and all of that. Now, that may not be relevant to some of you, but some of you have spent a few dollars on guns and uh, on hunting or on shopping or on any number of different things, uh, these things. But why do people do that? Why do people spend thousands of dollars on their golf game? Why do people invest uh, hours of time on their golf game? They devote themselves to those things. Why? Because they're pursuing to become better. They're pursuing that they might break 90. They're pursuing that they might break 80 or that they might break par. They're willing now to devote time, to devote money, to devote energy. Why? Because they're devoted. As I thought about people who uh, were committed and devoted to different things in their lives, I couldn't help but think about this man on the screen. Uh, considered by many people to be the GOAT or the greatest of all time. And we, we know this to be Michael Jordan, the, the, uh, the great iconic player on the Chicago Bulls, a man who had so many iconic plays in his time uh, on the basketball court. But what we don't think about, now walk with me right here, what we don't think about with Michael Jordan is the reality that before he became the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan actually, uh, if you study his life, you find that he missed the cut on his varsity basketball team. And I want you to see what he had to say about that. He said it was embarrassing not making that team. They posted the roster, and it was there for a long, long time without my name on it. But you continue to study the life of Michael Jordan, and what you find is from that point forward, this is what they said about Michael Jordan. I want you to look at this. Until the end of his career, Michael was known to be the first person to get to the gym and the last one to leave. And I want you to know something tonight, that what I'm preaching about this evening, what we're talking about tonight is not just a Christianity in name only. This is what we're talking about tonight is next level Christianity. It is being captivated by something to the point that it becomes the driving point, the driving force of your life. Now, while it could be said tonight that many of us are devoted, and some of you are thinking about things right now, things that you've spent money and time and energy on, we could think about so many different things. I wonder tonight if it could truly be said about the church in 2018 that we are truly devoted to impacting our world with the gospel. 
As followers of Jesus, did you know that that is exactly what we've been called to do? Let me share it with you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus said, go teach, baptize, and teach. That was the command of our Lord. He said in Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world, and say it with me, and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not where it ends. Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47. The Bible says, and Jesus said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Look at this. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then Acts chapter one and verse number eight. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Now I remind you that Paul Chapel said this, the local church is God's plan to reach the world with the gospel. Everybody raise your hand, all right? Every person raising your hand is the church, all right? Oh, whoa, 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 put your hands back up, come on. Okay, this man right here is not the church by himself. The staff, keep your hands raised. The staff at the church is not, uh, not the church. Every person under the sound of my voice that has put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation is the church. You can put your hands down. The church is God's plan to reach the world with the gospel. And while we may acknowledge that the last words of mere men may be profound and held sacred as they often carry much meaning, we must realize that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, left as his last words the command to evangelize the world with the gospel. Bud Calvert, a great man of God who has planted many many churches, said this, every church should have two main goals. Number one, to glorify God. And number two, to evangelize the world. The scriptures are very clear on this matter. Every church is to have as its primary goal that of glorifying the Lord by starting more churches to reach the lost of this world. And that is our plan tonight. That is our purpose as a church, to reach out into the world, to devote ourselves to the cause and the purpose of reaching this world with the gospel. It's interesting. You study that word devotion. You go home and begin to do a word study on this word devotion, and you'll find that there are two words. And just bear with me as I lay a quick foundation here. There are two words that give a detailed expression of this word devotion. Notice, number one, the word love. The word love. And the picture of this word love is that of a devoted husband and a devoted wife that are exemplifying dedication and faithfulness to one another. Why? Because they have an authentic love that abides between them. That love provokes their devotion to each other. And I want to tell you tonight, listen, the ultimate motivation for the Christian who is devoted to impacting the world with the gospel is obedience out of a heart of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I remind you of this verse. The Bible says in John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, Paul said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. I love what this author had to say. He said, if we are to re-engage fully in the Great Commission, if we who serve in local churches are to see a soul-winning revival, we will have to start with our hearts. We must ask God to search and cleanse our motives. We must seek him first and fully, and we must witness to serve him rather to impress others or ourselves. Listen, you'll never, 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 never devote your life to what I'm talking about tonight if there's not a genuine love in your heart for Jesus. Man, so many things I could say here. Do you love Jesus? Oh, man, it's easy to say, yeah, I love him. When's the last time you spent some time with him? When's the last time you went to him and said, I love you, Lord? Lord, for all you've done, Lord, for going to the cross for me, for taking my place on Calvary's tree, for taking my sin upon you, the holy, the perfect Son of God, going in my place, standing in my stead, to die on the cross in my place, to take my penalty, to take my pain, to take my suffering. Lord, I love you so much, and because I love you, I want to devote myself to reaching into this world. Love. But then we see, secondly, the word loyalty. The word loyalty. And this is a word, interesting, this word loyalty speaks of a person, an individual that is exhibiting dedication in their career. This word speaks of the constant development and the daily desire to be more successful and more advanced in their particular field. Listen, for the person who is truly devoted to their career, and we have people like that here tonight, and that's great, but for those kind of people, they don't just punch in and punch out. But rather, think about this with me tonight, it becomes a part of the fabric of their life. The same could be said for the Christian who is truly devoted to making an impact on the world around them with the gospel. It will never simply happen by showing up to the gatherings of the church. It will happen as we become the hands and the feet of Jesus on a daily basis. Now, are you listening tonight? I'm not talking about just being a Christian. I'm not talking about just showing up on Sunday morning, showing up on Sunday night, showing up on Wednesday night, punching in, punching out, and then coming back next week to do the same thing. I'm talking about a next level Christianity, that place where we can get uh, to a mature level. He talked about that this morning, developing in our maturity to the point where we're serving God out of love and serving God out of loyalty to him. I love this verse in 2 Timothy. The Bible says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. And what we're talking about tonight is when we genuinely embrace the call of God in our lives to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. Now, what this will not happen, and I, I mean this with all due respect, in the church there should be a diversity, right, a, a, an age range of, of, of Christians. There should be some who are new Christians, who are developing. There should be some who have just maybe for a season they've grown in their Christian life. We could call them maybe toddlers. There should be some primary and some junior and some teenagers, but there should be some adults, but we should all be somewhere on that scale, and we should be constantly progressing and maturing in that. And as we mature through that skill, as we grow up in the Lord, we will begin to sense a passion for the Lord to reach out into the world with the gospel. 
I want us to see a scriptural example. We read the text there tonight, and that's exactly where we're going to go. And we're going to walk down through this text tonight. But I want to talk to you a little bit uh, through this text here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Now, 1 Thessalonians is one of the most unique letters written by the Apostle Paul for a number of reasons, but I'll point out two. Number one, it was possibly his first letter to a local church. And number two, it was regarded as one of Paul's most personal letters, this letter to the Thessalonians. Now, a little bit about Thessalonica, the city of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a city that was the capital of Macedonia. Macedonia was one of the Roman provinces that lied north of Greece. It was a very prominent and important city in Paul's day. And it was even described by one author as the hub of political and commercial activity in Macedonia. It became known as the mother of all Macedonia. The population, many believe, in Paul's day reached as many as 200,000 people. Paul, now on his second missionary trip, has uh, had made no intentional plans to visit the Macedonian region of the world, but God had other plans. And God now redirects him here. Let me give you a map to let you see. Uh, in Paul's first missionary journey, he spent the majority of his time in this region of the world. But we find in Acts chapter number 16 that God calls Paul away from that region up into this province of Macedonia. We find that in Acts chapter 16 verses 9 and 10. As Paul is going out to reconfirm the first churches that he plants, the Bible says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, look at this, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You read the story there in the book of Acts, and you'll find that Paul, along with his friends Luke and Timothy and Silas, make the arduous journey to this area of the world where the gospel had not yet went. And it's clear that God led them to this place as we see fruit from their labor. We read in Acts chapter number 16, we don't have time to go there tonight, but you find that as Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke go into this first city, they go to a place called Philippi. And as we study that in Acts chapter 16, we find Paul and these men going into Philippi, preaching the gospel, and many are saved there in Philippi. People like Lydia and her household, people like possibly this possessed girl, people like the Philippian jailer and his household. Many are saved, but then we find that we move on through the book of Acts and we find that Paul moves from Philippi and the Bible tells us that he comes to this place called Thessalonica. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, look at this, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the Jews. And notice this, as Paul, Paul as was his manner, uh, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few. Now do you get the picture? Paul is preaching the gospel in Philippi, but now he moves here in Macedonia in this Roman province. He preaches the gospel in Philippi, but then he moves to Thessalonica. Paul goes into Thessalonica, goes to the synagogue, preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says some of them believe. Now, I love this from Warren Wiersbe. He said, we can learn much from Paul's approach to evangelism. He used the word of God, and he declared the son of God. He started where the people were, and he led them into the truth of the gospel. 
Now, Paul, after being abruptly forced out of the city of Thessalonica, is located in a city called Corinth. Paul is forced out of Thessalonica, and he's writing back. He's received word about the church that he planted there in Thessalonica, and he's writing back to them a letter. And that's what we read in our text tonight. I want you to notice a few things. Number one, I want you to notice tonight the burden of the writers. Take your Bibles and look back at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I want you to look back with me at verse number 1. And we're going to walk right down through this text tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 1. We're going to see the burden of the writers. Notice, first of all, the individuals. The individuals. The Bible says at the start of this letter, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. Now, it's interesting. Paul, we understand who Paul is. We, we, we talk about this man a lot. He wrote much of the New Testament. But Paul, we understand that he used to be Saul. He was a man who persecuted Christians, a man who hated Christ, a man who hated the gospel, a man who was a persecutor of Christians. But now Paul has been saved, and Paul has surrendered his life to the propagation of the gospel around the world. Then we see this next man mentioned, Silvanus. This is a long form of the name Silas. And Silas was a man chosen by Paul to accompany him on his second missionary trip. But then we see this name, Timotheus, as we think about the individuals. This name, Timotheus, again, a long form of the name Timothy, who was Paul's son in the faith, used greatly in the early church. And don't we, though we don't have time tonight to truly study the lives of each of these men, I want to remind you, listen to me, there was nothing supernatural about these men. They were ordinary men who were filled with extraordinary power by the Holy Spirit, and he used them in a supernatural way. And while you and I may only be common people as believers, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us to empower us, to help us to have a maximum impact on those around us. Now, that's important. Because a lot of times what what happens is we open our Bible and we read about men like Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and we think that these guys walked around and they had this glow coming off of them, you know, that they were somehow supernatural and, and, you know, that they were divine. You know what? Paul was a, a man just like you were. Silas was a man just like you. Timothy was a man just like you who battled the same thing was with the flesh and had the same issues with their flesh. But these were men who in one way they were unique. Why? Because they were ordinary men, but they were filled with an extraordinary power. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We see these individuals, but I want you to notice letter B, their investment. All right, Marty, you help me out right here, all right? Get me back on that spot. We see, first of all, they're in these individuals, but then we see their investment. Get your Bibles and look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, look at this, unto the church. Now, Paul's unto the church. Think about this. These individuals, these common individuals filled with the Spirit of God went into hostile territory. Do you remember what I said about Thessalonica? It was a Roman province. You do understand that there's a lot of political implications with that. Anybody who did not declare allegiance to Caesar, well, we know that they would be persecuted. And here Paul and Silas and Timothy go into this Roman province, this city called Thessalonica, and they went into this place full of people that seemingly had no interest in hearing the message of the gospel. And yet... They obeyed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They took a risk, and they made an investment, and now they are riding back to a church. Do you see that? The individuals who made an investment. Paul and Silas and Timothy unto the church 
uh, notice their impact, letter, uh, letter C, number three. Let me get to that. Letter C, uh, we see their impact. Look at it with me on the screen. Paul and Silas and Timothy unto the church of the Thessal uh, unto the church. Let me go back here of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this part of the verse because it reminds us that a church is not a building. A church is made up of individual people. Paul and Silas and Timothy, think about this, went into this city, preached the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people's lives were personally impacted now this might be the only thing you get tonight but don't miss it individuals who made an investment and there was an impact come on now individuals these were not supernatural men right these were common men individuals but these common men filled with the spirit made an investment and as a result of their investment they're writing back to this church Look what it says, the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Paul and Silas and Timothy went into Thessalonica, just individuals, but they were willing to make an investment. And because of their investment, men and women were born again into the family of God. People's lives were impacted. Don't belittle, please listen to what I'm about to say. Don't belittle the potential impact that God can make through your life tonight. If you as an individual will by faith make an investment with the gospel, listen to me, God can and God will cause you to make an impact. And the word impact means to have a strong effect on someone or something. So, so too many times what we do is we look at our lives and we see the, the emptiness of our lives. Oh, well, you know, pastor has such a great knack for, you know, a gift of being able to communicate, but I could never do that. Listen, you know what? Same Holy Spirit that lives in him lives in you. So don't belittle the impact of the Holy Spirit. Don't belittle the, the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit who can help you. You may not be the best communicator. You may not be the most outgoing person. But listen, listen, listen. If you as an individual will make an investment, God through you can make an impact tonight. Amen. That's why the Apostle Paul could say in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why, Paul? For it is the power. Paul said, I'm not the power. My ability is not the power. My gift is not the power. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hey, listen to me tonight. This may be the only thing you get from this message, but you listen to me tonight. We're talking about being devoted to impacting our world with the gospel. If there would be some people tonight who would rise up and say, you know what, I may not be much. I may not have a lot of talents. I may not have a lot of gifts, but what I do have as a saved individual is I have the indwelling Holy Spirit who is powerful, who can empower me, and he can help me to make an impact. Boy. Maybe some people would go out of this place tonight and enter that workplace tomorrow, go reach out to their family and say, you know what, the power's not in me, the power's not in my ability, but there is great power in the message of this word right here. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm just going to devote myself to being a gospel witness to my coworkers and to my family members and to my, my friends and others. Oh, I like that. We see the burden of the writers. We see that those individuals who made an investment and God used them to make an impact. But then we see, second of all, the brethren and their work. 
Now, we're going to walk through this text. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. He said, wherever there is true faith, it will work. It will affect both the heart and the life. Look at it with me. First of all, we see their service. Now, I'm not, time out, time out. I'm not talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy now. I'm talking about the people who they impacted. Are you listening? I'm not talking about the pastors, pastoral staff now. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the people who are sitting out in the pews tonight. We're talking about the brethren and their work. These who had now, their position had changed. Now they're in Christ. We see their service. Look at it with me. Paul's writing. and Look what he says. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing, look at this, your work of faith. Will you say it with me? Your work of faith of faith. Say it one more time. Your work of faith. Now listen. After these Thessalonians heard the message of the gospel and responded in faith, life did not continue on as normal. No, in fact, there was a change in their heart that made a change in their life. I said there was a change in their heart that made a change in their life. Amen. There was a change in their heart. After Paul preached the gospel and they were saved in Christ, in God the Father, there was a change in their heart that made a change in their life. All right, now, I like this part. If you want to look at it, you can. Acts chapter 17, I'm going to put it on the screen. Acts 17 and verse number 4. Now, this is what we read earlier. And some of them believed. That's salvation. But look what it says. Say it with me. And consorted. Now, time out. That word consorted is a word... (laughs) That means, look at this, to bring advantage by association. To bring advantage by association. When these people were saved, listen, they joined the team and began contributing to the purpose of the church. These people didn't get saved to warm a bench. These people got saved to get in the game. And I'm just going to say it tonight. We've got too many bench-warming Christians in our world tonight. We've got too many people who just want to sit on the pew and consume, 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 but they never want to turn around and contribute. Come on now. I know that's a little tough tonight, but we needed to call it like it is. Hey, we got too many people who have heard the message of the gospel and they believe from their heart, but there was never a change in their life. You remember what that verse said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There ought to be a change. If you get truly born again tonight, there ought to be a change in your heart that ultimately makes a change in your life. We see here their service. I like what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, but now are there many members yet but one body? Listen to me. Hey, I I like what I heard a preacher say last night. You know, we don't think too much about our elbow, do we? I mean, you don't get up and say, Lord, thank you for my elbow. Boy, this is a blessing. But have you ever tried to, if you just didn't have that elbow and this was just one straight arm, try to think of how you'd, how you'd eat. I like what that preacher said. He said, we'd have to sit across the table from each other and feed each other. Oh, man, that elbow, it, that, we don't think about that elbow right there, but, buddy, that's an important member of the body. And I'm going to tell you something. You, you're here tonight, and you belittle your importance in this church and say, I'm not the preacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a bus captain. I'm not a bus rider. I'm not, hey, 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 listen, 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 listen. You may be an elbow, but that's pretty important in this church. And if you don't do your part, listen, the whole body's going to suffer. Come on now. We can't all be the head. But I, I, you know what I thought about? I thought about this. In the body, the most important members of your body are the ones that are unseen. 
You can't see my heart right now, but if it wasn't beating, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be up here. You can't see my kidneys. You can't see my liver tonight, but if they weren't functioning, I'd have a lot of issues tonight. And I'm telling you, a lot of people want to be the visible ones, but maybe it's those invisible ones that need to step up. We see here the brethren in their work. We see their service. But then notice this. We see their sacrifice. Look what Paul says. We give thanks to God always for you all. For uh, He said, remembering without ceasing your labor of love. The words used for labor here is a word that is interesting. It's a word that means sorrow, pain, and trouble. And it would seem that this word implies their willingness to endure the difficult trials and the problems of life together. Now, this is tough to talk about, but you study the church at Thessalonica in this Roman province. It's believed you can read and find out some of the ways that these people were most likely mistreated and persecuted. I even read in one commentary that there's reason to believe that some of these people from this church could have possibly been persecuted in this way. They would take the the, the body of a dead animal, and they would carve out all the insides of that animal and take these Christians, place them inside of that carcass and sew the carcass back up and then throw them out into a hungry lion or a hungry, hungry beast. But the Bible here says, Paul wrote back to this church, maybe a church where one of the members of the church had been persecuted in some horrible way. Paul said, I want to thank you for your labor of love. I want to, I want to thank you for your work of faith. I want to thank you for your labor of love. Can I say something to this tonight? Listen to what I'm about to say this evening. We need each other to fulfill the responsibility of the church. We're going to face difficulty in life. We're going to face trials in life. But we need to rally around each other, sacrificially loving each other. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Question to you tonight, how are we going to minister to one another if we don't know what's going on in each other's lives? That's why I'm saying this. I'm not talking tonight about people who just show up and leave. I'm talking about people who come and get involved, people who get to talk to each other, learn more about each other's lives. Hey, that's what I'm talking about tonight. See their service, we see their sacrifice, but then we see their security. Paul says in this verse, remembering without ceasing your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Listen to me, because these people, these Thessalonians were aware of the fact that Jesus Christ would return at any given moment, and because they realized that God, as their heavenly Father, was watching them as his children, they were willing to persevere through the difficult trials of life. These people, these, the brethren in their work, you know why they were exhibiting this work of faith, this labor of love? Because they were patiently waiting for the Lord Jesus, believing that he would come. Now, we got to get to this last part. We see finally the boldness of their witness. Now, I'm on my last page here, and I'm halfway through the last page, so I want you to listen, all right? We see, first of all, their reception. The boldness of their witness, we see their reception. Now, don't, get, don't miss this. Look what Paul said. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, as Paul and Silas and Timothy came into Thessalonica, this message that they preached, listen, was not in word only. There was something more 
And this is, listen, this is fundamental to our witness tonight. If we're going to truly be devoted to impacting the world with the gospel, this is fundamental. We cannot simply proclaim the word in, in, in word. We cannot proclaim the message in word only, but it must be proclaimed. Look what he says, in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And I want you to also note this, that Paul was able to remind them of his personal testimony, which further reinforced his message. You see that? As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Can I, can I say something tonight? You can never separate the messenger from his message. Paul said, you know what? Listen, I want you to think back to when we came to you and preached the gospel. Think about my testimony. Some of you here, you want to be a gospel witness to your coworkers, but are you witnessing in word only? Or are you witnessing in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance? And then can you point to your testimony and say, hey, you know, I mean, I've tried my best to live in a way that you would know the Lord. He said, as you know what manner of men we were among you, Look at it, for your sake. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. Family members are watching you. Hey, your coworkers are watching you. Your boss is watching you. Some of you come down here and you pray and say, man, I'd love to see, you know, my friend get saved, but you don't consider the reality of your testimony around that friend. Paul could point to that, and he talked about their reception. And, and, and I love the Bible says there that they received the word, and that word means to take hold of. But then we see their response. We see their response. Paul says, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And the word in sample means a pattern or a model. A pattern or a model. Help me out again, Marty, if you want to. The words there, that, that word in sample means a, the pattern or a model. Paul said, we not only came in and preached the word to you, you not only received the word, but now you have become a model church. For me to tell others, hey, you ought to, you ought to look at the, Thessalon, the, the Thessalonians and see how they're witnessing, see how they're living, and pattern your church after them. And I know the heart of your pastor tonight and while we don't want to be a model church just so we can set ourselves up on a pedestal, hey, this ought to be a model church for how we can impact the world with the gospel. Let's not be a church that just speaks the gospel in word only. Let's be a church that rises up and say, hey, we're going to speak the word in power. We're going to speak the word in the Holy Ghost in much assurance. And we're going to live lives that back it up so that we can be an example to those other churches around us. But then we see, finally, thank you, Marty, we see their resolve. And we finish here. Look what he says. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad. Now think about that. For from you, Thessalonians, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia. Now, how many understand Macedonia was not the city? Macedonia was the province. You know what that tells me? That the gospel had not only spread outside of their city, Thessalonica, but the gospel had spread into Macedonia. But the gospel didn't stop spreading there. This church was so resolved to impacting the world with the gospel that the Bible says that, Paul says there, that it spreads out into Achaia. But then Paul says it goes even further than that. But also in every place, your faith to Godward is spread abroad. Look what he says. So that we need not to speak anything 
Could you imagine, Brother Looney, the pastor gets up next Sunday and says, I really don't have anything to say. I mean, this church is functioning, and I mean, man, people are being saved, and people are coming in, and I mean, I don't have anything to say to you. I mean, man, you're, you're, you're devoted. You, you're reaching out. You're reaching out in this world with the gospel. You're witnessing to your coworkers. You're living a life that backs it up. You're witnessing in power and the Holy Ghost. And Paul says, listen, I don't have anything else to say. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had among you. Look what he says uh, unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's what we need tonight. We need a good old-fashioned repentance tonight. We need some Christians who will say, you know, I, I really, I haven't been serving the one true God. I really can't say that I've been devoted, surrendered, concentrated on a particular pursuit. I've been sidetracked with a multitude of things, and that's been the last thing in my mind. But you know what, tonight, I'm just going to go ahead and lay that other stuff aside. Not to say I'm never going to do those things. Not to say I'm never going to play golf. Not to say I'm never going to go hunting again. Not to say I'm never going to go shopping again. But I'm going to make it a point to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Look, friends, hey, there, there needs to be nothing more to motivate you than the, the gospel. The fact that the son of God came and he sought you out, and he died on the cross in your place. Hey, that ought to be our motivation tonight. Amen. It ought not, it, listen to me. Can I just say something? This is my home church. Can I just say something? And I'm going to close. I'm going to do a Daryl Cox, all right? I'm going to close you in just a minute. Listen, God forbid that our pastor has to get up and poke and prod and beg and plead. Well, I wish y'all would come. Wish, I wish, and you know, it's not always about coming to a, to a gathering or to coming to, a, to a, a, a specific gathering to go out and tell the world about the gospel, but just letting your lifestyle be a witness every day. I mean, I know he wants you to come, and you should come to those outreach gatherings that you have here at the church, but look, there ought to be something happening in this church where people are so impacted and so captivated by the glory of the gospel of the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ that they go out and tell the world about it. Man. Are we really a church devoted tonight? Are we really a church devoted? I close with this quote. When Christ came to earth, he gave everything. Why? Because he loves us. If we're going to make his gospel known, we'll have to give something. Time, energy, planning, care, love, soul winning isn't cheap. But we have a message worth the sacrifice. When we love our neighbors as we ought to, and when we love our neighbors as he has commanded us to, we will share the gospel with others, and we will do it with the love that touches hearts and touches lives. Every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. Well, I don't even know how long I preach, but that's irrelevant at this point. But you know what? It's time right now for some people to make a move. Come on. It's time right now. Let's just, let's just hold off on the music for a second. Hey, come on. Let's rise up and be the church. You say, but Brother Zach, you don't know my background. Look, I don't know your background, but I know who your God is. 
If you are a believer tonight, listen, friend, you have the Holy Spirit of our great God living deep inside of your bosom tonight. He is there to empower you to impact this world with the gospel. Come on. The power is not in you. The power is not in your ability. The power is in the message of the gospel. Let's be devoted. Come on. Let's rise up as a church. Let's say, you know what? Let's rise up. Let's be bold in our witness. Let's spread the word through Union Grove. Let's spread the world, uh, the word through Statesville, through Idaho County, through North Carolina, through the United States of America. Let's support missionaries that will go out into the uttermost parts of the world and preach this glorious message of the gospel. Come on, let's rise up tonight. I'm talking about devoted Maybe you're not there. Maybe you say, Brother Zach, I don't even know anything about that. Well, maybe you ought to pray tonight that that God would give you that passion. Just say, Lord, give it to me. I don't feel that passion that I wish I did. And Pray that God would give that to you. As the pianist plays tonight, let's do business. Come on. Let's ask God to fill our hearts. Come on, let's ask God to help us to be filled with passion and devotion. Maybe somebody needs to join a bus route tonight. Maybe somebody needs to get their CDL so they can drive a bus, so they can reach out to the the less fortunate part of Statesville and Union Grove and Harmony and say, you know what? It's not going to be easy. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require time. It's going to require commitment. But I'm going to make a commitment tonight that I want to make a difference. An individual who makes an investment, who has an impact, God, help us. Father, we need your help tonight. I'm convinced, and and I, I speak of myself right now. Lord, we try to do spiritual work in the power of the flesh, and we fail, and we get intimidated, and we we just give up. But Lord, I pray tonight that you would help your people, that we would truly devote ourselves. Lord, concentrate and pursue Lord the gospel in this area with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm getting ready to hand this over to the pastor tonight is there anybody here tonight you say brother Zach I've never accepted Jesus Christ as the savior of my life if I died right now I have no idea where I'd spend eternity and you'd be so honest I'd like to pray for you would you slip your hand up if you're that person tonight we're not going to embarrass you but we'd like to pray for you anybody at all All right, Christians, how about you? How many would say tonight, Brother Zach, I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I wanna be more devoted to impacting my world with the gospel. Nobody's looking around, but you'll slip your hand up and say, I wanna devote myself to reaching the gospel. Love those hands. Praise the Lord, amen, amen. God sees those hands tonight. You can put your hands down. Father, bless these who have been, Lord, uh, challenged by the message tonight. Use your word. Help us, Lord, to be a modern-day church of Thessalonica. We pray in Jesus' name.